Hey everybody, welcome to the Fantasy Players Club. I'm your host, Levi Valentine, at Levi underscore Valentine on Twitter. Brent is moving this week, so joining me tonight is a very special co-host, my friend Trevin Cremosta. Trevin, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. I'll uh, try to fill in for Brett by making some terrible opinions on fantasy football and uh, really specify that I love timeshare running backs. So, probably won't skip a beat, Miss Brett. Yeah, probably not. It sounds like. Uh, how does it feel to be on your very first podcast? Oh, demanding. It's a lot of work going into this thing. No, I'm no. just kidding. Feels cool. Highlight of your life so far, would you say? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. My wedding number two now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we can go ahead and get started. So we have a couple of headlines tonight. Uh, The first one was brought to us by ESPN. Quarterback Mitchell Trubisky still feels the Bears are his team, despite the fact that their Chicago general manager, Ryan Pace, announced in April that the team intends to hold an open preseason competition between Trubisky and veteran Nick Foles, whom the Bears acquired from Jacksonville at the onset of free agency. Uh, They include a quote from Trubisky, and it says, yeah, it was kind of interesting to me (laughs) when the Bears traded for Foles, but that's the business we are in. I think it was kind of pissed off in a good way. I've been motivated ever since. I think it's going to be a good competition. Foles has had a crazy career as well, so it's been cool having him in our room talking ball. I know we're going to push each other, but I still feel like this is my team, and I'm excited for the competition and just get back on the field with my guys and show everybody what I can still do and how hard I've been working this offseason to help the Bears win games this year. Trevin, do you think all that all that talk from Mitch is going to lead to some results on the field this year? <laughs> I don't know what it's going to take for Mitch. I think it probably should be a better sign for Mitch getting just compared to constantly for Mahomes and uh, Watson as how bad he is, that that should have motivated him before now that they signed Foles. I can't really think of a worse quarterback competition than these two for who's going to try to lead your team to victory. I don't know how Bears fans can really handle this. but Worse, I, worse than Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota? Hey, <laughs> you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, we really can't bring up Foles without bringing up the 2009 Holiday Bowl for the Huskers win when they beat them 33 to zero. That's really the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, held Arizona to 109 total yards. I had to just look up these stats again. 100 total yards, and a lot of those came on the last drive against our backups. And when it looked like they are going to score, we put Sue back in the game to finish off the scoreless game. Uh, Foles was 6 of 20 that day and 28 yards passing. And to you, Levi, is that the best – Huskers memory of the last 15 years <laughs> no <not laughs> what, what do you got above it uh probably beat Oklahoma at, when they were uh that year Sue was dominating at home maybe was that the Colorado. Matt O'Hanlon Matt O'Hanlon three interception yeah. game <laughs> yeah I think so beating Georgia was pretty fun yeah yeah I don't uh, know that 33 to zero was a lot of fun <laughs> that, the defense is just all over the place. I've, it was, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. So 11 years ago, Nick Foles had one bad bowl game. So clearly he's not going to be a factor <laughs> this year for everybody. No, but to, yeah, to get more relevant, uh, Foles' career is just I, so strange looking at the stats from it. In 2013, he had played 13 games for the Eagles, passed for 3,000 yards, had 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. And it's just never been anywhere close to that. Until he leaves them through the playoffs and gets the Super Bowl MVP just out of nowhere. And then has never done anything like that again. So what you're saying is Mitch is right. He's had a crazy career. <laughs> oh, I wasn't even bringing up Mitch. Mitch is done. I don't think he's even going to start the first game. Wow. I don't, think that, I don't think they would have traded for Foles in this contract and not give Trubisky his fifth-year option if they had any intention of actually starting Mitch again. I think they've seen enough of Mitch. Wow. So you don't even think that he's going to get the first game or a couple of games, huh? I don't think so. I think they've, they know what Mitch is. I, even if he seems to be more motivated now, I don't know. I don't know what they're expecting from Mitch. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, you alluded to it, but Foles has been around for 
he's 31 now, so they clearly know what they have in him. And at least he could push the ball down the field a little more. Uh, last year he started, what was it, four? He played in four games and had 66% completion percentage for and 736 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Nothing really noteworthy there. I mean, Gardner Minshew really stole the, stole the show. But you look at Mitch's stats and – they were much better, if any. <laughs> they, he had 63% completion percentage, three for 3,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Took 38 hey, just a, Sorry, go on. <laughs> I mean, he had one of the worst uh, true passer ratings in the league, number 32. <laughs> His true completion percentage was number 18. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot to like here. You look at air yards, he was number 20, so he's not pushing the ball downfield. And when you have a receiver on the outside like Allen Robinson, that's a pretty. those are pretty valuable targets that he could be getting down the field and making the most of those, and Mitch just wasn't able to get the ball to him. I I don't know. Like, I don't know who will be the starter. I think maybe it would probably be better for the offense if it is Foles, but I'm not as convinced as you that he gets the start from day one. I definitely suspect that we'll see him starting at some point this year and probably early in the season. I just, I don't know. I I think they might as well let Mitch have one more chance to see if he's actually capable of improving. And what is this now for Mitch year four? Yeah, year four. So, and if he's not, then you go to Foles and it probably doesn't make much of a difference either way, but at least with that, you give him a chance to show that he actually is capable of improving. He's still only 25. He is, but he, he just had a major regression last year. In 2018, he was all right, and it looked like he was a candidate to really step up. Uh, 2018, he had 67% completion, 3,200 yards, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. And, man, you just list off the 2019 stats. It just – everything was downhill. The one big one, too, was his rushing. He went from 421 yards rushing in 18 to just under 219. So, even that weapon got taken away from him. He's just – I don't think he's very good at all. I don't think the Bears have much to see left to check with him. He's just – I don't think he's the guy to do anything. Yeah, I agree. I don't foresee a big fantasy year for either of these quarterbacks. Hopefully, oh, yeah, the very it. least you, you can hope for is that they get the ball to Allen Robinson and that maybe David Montgomery can be a little better this year. But probably other than that, an offense to avoid for fantasy purposes. I forgot this is a fantasy-centric podcast, not just a Bears bashing <laughs> podcast. But so who who would you pick up if you had to pick one for your fantasy team? For uh, let's just say it's a redraft league. Oh man, I'd probably like most redraft leagues are what ten, twelve teams. So you're yeah. even if you take two quarterbacks, you're only rostering the top twenty-four. And I don't think I would put either of these guys in the top twenty-four at this point. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't either. <laughs> Maybe if one of them starts to show something early in the season, they're a good free agent waiver wire ad at some point. But just draft, I don't think. I think there are probably better options with more upside than either of these guys. What about you? I'm with you. Um, even on if it's a dynasty league and I'm trying to backfill some of the roster, I think I'd take Foles in, um, even with the age difference. I don't think Trubisky's going to get many more starts. At least with Foles, you might get somebody playing some games. Yeah, but for redraft, I wouldn't have any of them, either of them on my roster. Do you think that having Foles in the mix would help uh, the prospects for Anthony Miller at all this season? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's anything's better than Trubisky. I think so. Yeah, and then tight end you've got Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet, so. Neither of them probably are anybody you're really too concerned about in redraft. And in Dynasty, there may be a bi-week fill-in or something this season with hopefully more upside for Cole Komet down the road. And by the way, Trevin is a big Raiders fan, lifelong. And so that's where <laughs> that uh, comment about Carr and Mariota came in. <laughs> probably right up there with the bears maybe let's maybe <laughs> we'll see this year who has the who has the better quarterback a, situation we're tied to each other now with the bears too i miss you Khalil. <laughs> if you're listening we still love you and i hope you're doing well yeah you should be happy with how that trade turned out i think like at least with the draft picks being maybe better than they could have otherwise been <laughs> i guess so go younger <laughs> <laughs> Our second headline was uh, also from ESPN, and it was about a commitment that Oregon got 
this past week, and their recruiting success in California continued Friday when receiver Troy Franklin announced his commitment to the Ducks. He is the number one, number 31 overall prospect in the 24-7 composite rankings. He chose Oregon over Alabama, Arizona State, and Washington. He's 6'1", 175, coming out of Menlo High School in California. Uh, number two ranked receiver in this class, according to the 24-7 composite rankings. So, Trevin, Mario Cristobal continues to get down on the recruiting trail, and Oregon's class this year is looking pretty solid. You know, every time I think Oregon's kind of seen their uh, past better days, <laughs> they just keep loading up. I don't know. They keep it rolling, so good for them. Yeah, I think a lot of opportunity for them in the Pac-12 with USC being down, with UCLA not really firing yet under Chip Kelly, and Stanford has regressed some for where they – were at their peak, uh, even with David Shaw still being there. That Oregon, if they can continue to recruit like this, has a chance to win that conference pretty regularly going forward and potentially stop this trend of the Pac-12 being left out of the <laughs> out of the playoff. But uh, when you look at uh, when you look at Troy Franklin specifically, so last year he had 68 catches, 1,205 yards, 21 touchdowns, and they also had 17 rushes for 238 yards and four touchdowns, so obviously they're in the ball any way they can. Oregon has a lot of other talent that they're adding so far in this recruiting class. Uh, four stars, including a quarterback, Ty Thompson, running back Seven McGee, awesome first name there, Seven, uh, Kyron Ware-Hudson, and then a tight end, uh, Maliki Matavao nailed that pronunciation I don't think you did (laughs) and also three highly three four-star offensive linemen as well so Oregon's always been known for high-flying offense and that certainly seems to be likely to continue with the recruits that they have in the fold so far this year uh right now they're sitting at the number eight recruiting class for 2021 and they had number 12 this year in 2020 number seven in 2019 so a lot of talent coming into that school even if the results on the field have taken a step back from where they were in probably their best years under Helfrich and uh, Chip Kelly. Uh, I, have a message. I have a message for the Pac-12. <laughs> Figure out your TV network. I want to watch your games. Please let me watch your games. If I have to pay for it, I will. Why can't I watch them? Explain Pac-12 that to After me. Dark is not available everywhere yet, I guess. They don't like the Pac-12 money, network apparently. is not. If it's on ESPN, I can watch it. Pac-12 network doesn't work. <laughs> it's crazy. I've got a buddy that coaches on the Utah staff, so I want to watch him, and it doesn't let me. Yeah. Please I, figure it out. They've got a lot of issues to figure out if they're going to remain competitive with SEC and Big Ten over the next five, ten years. Uh, certainly money-wise, they're lagging behind. Oregon's at least keeping up on in the recruiting department for now, but we'll see if that's – able to continue going forward if they aren't able to start putting results on the field and if the money stuff if the Phil Knight money ever dries up that could uh, be all be the end of the Oregon glory days but certainly keep an eye on Troy Franklin's probably going to be one of the top picks and Debbie drafts next year of incoming freshman with being the number two receiver if that's where he ends up and uh, usually those guys go off the board even as incoming freshmen uh, when they're that high of a pedigree so uh, certainly one to keep an eye on, and if he goes to Oregon, I like his chances to be productive. All right, so Trevin, you brought with you tonight something special for this podcast. The first time we've ever had this. It is a, well, do you want to kind of explain what we're going to play here? Yeah, you thought I came here as a co-host, a guest host for the day, empty-handed, but little did you know, I've sold ads for this already, and uh <laughs> Uh, You can go ahead and play that whenever you want to. All right. This podcast is brought to you by Emergency Flowers. Did you just spend all Sunday glued to your TV, watching football, neglecting your family and different chores around your house, cheering for fantasy players who aren't even on your favorite team? You're yelling in your living room because a third-string running back on the Vikings couldn't get you another 10 yards? You're going to need some Emergency Flowers. You can always pick yourself up some emergency flowers at a grocery store, where you can usually get a nice bouquet of daisies for $10. If you're in a real pinch, they sell single roses at drugstores. So get yourself some emergency flowers and try to patch things up before the Monday night football game. So not only here at the Fantasy Players Club are we helping you win your leagues, we're also saving marriages and families. which is more important than ever. We're going to bring that divorce rate down from 50% 
what do you think? Emergency flowers bring it down to 10, 20%? Probably. Uh, it must be like a flowers co-op or something. We're just trying to push any flowers out there, I guess. <laughs> I can't <laughs> remember how many uh, divorces I've seen where the reasons for the divorce was obsession with football and fantasy football in particular. So emergency flowers. Specifically, my husband didn't buy me flowers. So get out there and buy those. Yeah, emergency flowers. flowers. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that out with you, Trevor. I can't <laughs> wait to see the money flow in from all our satisfied listeners ordering those emergency flowers, saving their marriages, and giving us some a little bit of advertising income in the process. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> So for our main segment tonight, we're going to do a little story time with Uncle Trevin here. Uh, gonna, <laughs> oh God, that's creepy. <laughs> he's going to teach us all about the lessons he learned in his very first Dynasty draft, which was in the league that Brent and I have referenced in a recent podcast, the Scranton Superflex. Uh, it was your first Dynasty league ever, Trevin. So well, we're going to dive into that. And for those of you who maybe haven't taken the leap into Dynasty before, or if you just... Uh, want to learn a little more about it, Trevin is going to share what he <laughs> learned from his experience. So Trevin, to start us off, can you just tell us a little bit about your fantasy football background before joining this league? Yeah, so you brought it up before. Uh, we started a redraft league a long time ago, uh, back in maybe 2004, 2005, maybe four or six of us at the time. And uh, we've kept that going ever since uh, high school there. And at the time, it was a fun way to just talk crap about your football team to your friends. But now it's really become a good way to keep in touch with everybody in the league. Uh, Once a year, it forces you to talk to everybody and catch up with everybody, which for me is definitely the best part about it. Um, So I've been in other redraft leagues. Uh, We did try switching that league to a keeper league for a couple years, which didn't quite work out. We never got the rules really established. Made a mutiny uh, for the corrupt Kamesh <laughs> trying to switch things to a keeper league so he could win more. Uh-huh. And so uh, the one other redraft league I've been in for three or four years now is a family one I started with uh, all my cousins and uncles and aunts. And You're I'd the commissioner that. in that one too? I am, and this is my trophy from winning it. <laughs> and, but I'd recommend doing that for anybody out there because it really is a fun way to have your family all do it and then uh it really makes thanksgiving exciting when everybody there has rooting for different players so uh, that's a lot of fun i've also i've never done uh, daily fantasy before i think (laughs) i know my own limits as a fantasy player i think (laughs) and that's that i don't go i'm not a matchup guy i don't know who's gonna do what um my strategy is always just to get as many (laughs) running backs and receivers as possible so that way i can adjust for injuries or who's going crazy I don't I'm not good at doing the matchups so that's kind of my past on it um ended up joining this dynasty league because you wouldn't stop badgering me about it (laughs) but I am happy I joined it I've been looking to do it probably going to join it eventually anyway because it it does take a little more thinking about it the redraft it's really just selecting the top guy in the best available list over and over when it's your turn and mostly luck coming into that so this is a whole different ball game when you've got a uh, adjust for ages of players too uh, amongst all that yeah and adjust for the lack of depth on the waiver wire is certainly a big aspect as well yeah yeah so i've liked it so far um i know we'll kind of get into the draft a little bit more but my biggest mistake on that was that i really, i see it as a mistake now we don't really know the results yet but I started picking like, well, I picked a running back last round and take a receiver this round. And then I remember me making fun of people drafting like that on when you're just trying to fill out a <laughs> roster instead of picking who's best available. So caught myself doing that later in the round and realized that's probably a mistake. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll so see how far into the draft did you realize that? Now I didn't do that at the beginning. Five or six rounds in, it was once I got past players I knew more about than I, then I went to taking a receiver, taking a running back for the next <laughs> from 10 to 15 rounds. And then I tried to adjust from that and pick the best available. So what was your strategy going into the draft then? Uh, at the start, it was kind of uh, not take a quarterback because that's my one strategy for redraft leagues. 
Keeping and, in uh, mind, this is a super flex league where you can start yeah, two quarterbacks. <laughs> so that, that turned the quarterbacks left quickly, and I was in scramble mode at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not uh, – quarterback's probably my weakness on it. and I'm not feeling terrible about it, but that's, I'd say, my weakness. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing with these dynasty one taking – doing it so early in late May when we did that, there just wasn't a lot I could find for any strategies or anything online for uh, selecting it. So I was really uh, mixing and matching different websites I could find to try to put together something. Uh, Because the website that you have us on for it, it doesn't really give us the best available, which I do enjoy. I wish all dynasty drafts or all fantasy drafts were like that because then it wouldn't just turn into picking off that list. But doing it this way, it was a, pretty cool except you'd have a guy selected that was on nobody's sheet but they'd get picked before you pick so that was always a bummer yeah if there's somebody you want especially after you've passed the first few rounds you just gotta go get them in a in a dynasty league uh, because people have very different rankings that are out there and if they're using a different set than you that player could be several rounds higher or lower so uh definitely Whenever in doubt, go get your guy, certainly. That was one strategy I did flip to because my guys kept getting taken. And so I finally just started picking them. If that was somebody I was looking at two rounds later, I just started picking them that round. Yeah. So what you said you used a couple different websites? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whatever I could really find. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So as far as strategy, was there anything you looked at to develop your strategy beforehand or do you just kind of come with with it on the fly? Oh, I kind of went into it more of just taking receivers or running backs too. And uh, tight ends, I wasn't very high on. Just try to get somebody younger later on that maybe give me some points. But with ours, uh, you can have two to five on running backs or receivers. I thought it was best just to fill those spots up and get as many options as I could. Yeah. So we just have to make it clear to everybody, you start two running backs and two receivers, and then you have three flex positions, one of which can be a super flex. And so you alluded to your quarterback selections. You ended up taking uh, Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold back to back in the seventh and eighth round. (laughs) Yeah. My strategy there was they're about the only two younger guys available that I thought have a chance to grow into uh, future guys. And the thing that keeps me up at night about it is that neither one has their second contract really guaranteed yet. So they might not be in the league in a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, they're certainly both, I mean, last year was Daniel Jones first year and he had a lot better first year than a lot of people expected. I think, especially with all the flat gentlemen got for taking him where he did in the draft and Darnold last year was his second year and he kind of, it was kind of a last year for Sam Darnold between the mono and everything and all the games he missed from that. Uh, and then just kind of coming back in the middle of the season and trying to get into the flow of things. I don't think he had a real chance to demonstrate the improvement he might've made from his first year to his second as a result of that. So there's certainly both an opportunity, an opportunity for both of those guys this year to take a big step forward if they can with it being Daniel Jones second year and hopefully the Giants offense being a little better and Saquon Barkley not getting injured like he did last year. And then Sam Darnold with now the Jets have added uh, the receiver receiver from Baylor, Denzel Mims and uh, Jameson Crowder still there. And you've got him hopefully being able to start from day one this year, if he can avoid the New York clubs and <laughs> the women <laughs> otherwise around in New York. Uh, but yeah, if you can't stay away from mono, don't get near this COVID there, Sam. <laughs> yeah. So the New York quarterbacks are for the flavor <laughs> yeah. of the week. They moved to Lincoln, Nebraska to be on my team. <laughs> Daniel Jones, one of three quarterbacks to have two 30-point games last year. There you go. Yeah, I mean, he certainly ran the ball more than I expected last year. Uh, when you look at his – rushing yards he was he had five red zone carries uh 279 rushing yards which was seventh among quarterbacks 21 per game and a couple of rushing touchdowns so as we've seen with Lamar Jackson with Kyler Murray Deshaun Watson if you can have a quarterback that's capable passer but also chips in with the run game and certainly Josh Allen would be another example uh that 
they refer to him in fantasy as Konami code quarterbacks. That's it carries a lot of value because even if they're not having a great passing week, I mean those rushing yards and any touchdowns you get are very valuable and can uh, maybe make the floor for those players a little higher than it otherwise would be. So what do you wish you'd done differently, if anything, in this draft? <laughs> Definitely pick a younger player, a younger quarterback specifically, earlier than what I did, I think. Unless Jones and uh, Sam Darnold turn out to be <laughs> studs, uh, that's gonna that's kind of my weak spot, I think. Um, but I'd found what I was happy with was taking a lot of second year guys because the rookies seem to go right away. But there's a lot of promising second year guys that I feel like I got AJ Brown being amongst them. I got him in the fourth round, and uh, <clears throat> I think on a just regular redraft league, he would have been higher than that, and he's only in his second year, so. I'll take that over any rookie any day. My favorite pick was probably Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, just because I had to make a move up to get him. I didn't want him to fall down, wait for him to fall down any farther, and I think he's got a lot of upside at Tampa Bay. Yeah, with that offense, certainly if he can get into the starting role, there's a ton of upside there for him this year. Which pick do you regret the most? Oh, boy. Uh as far as like a player I picked that I wish I didn't pick. Yeah. Um, probably Hunter Henry. He's young and has a lot of upside, but just he's been hurt every year. And I don't know how with a rookie quarterback, hopefully a tight end is his person he's going to, but I don't feel great about that. And I picked him in the sixth uh, round. pretty early sixth, sixth round. Yeah. Yep. So I almost wish I would have just taken a tight end later than that and not take Hunter Henry so high. Yeah. Well, that was right before you took your two quarterbacks, so you could have been on the earlier end of that run if you had done if you'd gone quarterback there. Yeah, definitely wish I would have got a quarterback there. Uh, so what was the most challenging part of the draft? Um, the just not having a website that. I could look at as far as a main list to pick from and just being my first time doing it. Yeah. Was there anything that surprised you about it? Um, this janky website you got us on. <laughs> never... My fantasy leagues for all the <laughs> listeners, the, the most popular dynasty league website out there. Dynasty leagues are kind of like drugs. You kind of need to know a friend that gets you introduced to them. <laughs> yeah. Something gotcha. like that. <laughs> addicting too like drugs <laughs> yeah you'll probably be yeah. four or five before you know it <laughs> i don't right now i'm thinking this is my only dynasty league i'm gonna be in but we'll see. <laughs> I, I don't know we'll see i bet you'll change your tune i think you should do a w league next that's what i was also gonna ask you about so i haven't even really i'm pretty plugged into fantasy football and w league isn't even something <laughs> that's really crossed my radar so to uh, kind of some simple questions about them. So in this league, you can draft any college player on it. Yep. And then you have to wait until they're in the NFL until you actually get stats counted towards your team. So, yes, for the typical Debbie league, they have – that's how it works is you can take any college player. And then the one I'm in with Brent, uh, we have it. So you can take any incoming freshmen. So like this year, anybody who signed in February, you could draft. Uh, and we have just a limited number of spots, so 10 spots per team. And then you could take fill those however you want with any college players. Now, your college players, can you cut those at any time and just get a different guy, or are those your guys until graduation? So that might vary by league. For our league, you can drop them whenever you want, but you can't add during the year. The only time you can add is during the draft so or via trade. And you can never have more than 10 on your roster. So, uh, so yeah, you could drop them whenever you want, but there's not. For ours, you can only have two that can either be an NFL player or a Debbie player. So <laughs> dropping them doesn't really necessarily help you unless you're replacing them with an NFL player. <laughs> but the draft was... is super interesting because we do a combined Debbie and rookie slash free agent draft. And so you have all the – Debbie players are available to draft, and then all the players like this year, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and uh, there was one other, oh, Rashad Bateman, and like some of the other high-profile college players who broke out last year were 
either and Justin Jefferson was available too. So like he was a rookie coming in and he was available at the top of the draft along with Burrow and Jamar Chase. And so it's really interesting to see how people value rookie players who weren't on a roster and are available in the draft versus college players who maybe broke out last year, or incoming freshmen, five stars, things like that. So that's, you mentioned not having lists for your dynasty draft. Yeah. When you're putting these together. It's all, there's a lot of research that goes into it and just, there's no website you can go to that factors all of that in and ways ranks them against each other. So that makes it probably my favorite draft just because it's so unpredictable and you can really potentially gain an edge if you have a good list of rankings and do a good job drafting. And I guess I should have said that as my dynasty, like the most challenging part is just valuing players uh, when you incorporate their age. Yeah. Like how do you pick, Aaron Rodgers or Joe Burrow <laughs> just because Aaron Rodgers maybe has four good years left and Joe Burrow, you might be getting 20 good years from him. Um, so I can't even imagine doing that with college players also. Cause then where do you put Trevor Lawrence into <laughs> between right. those two? So it's just, it's wild. It's a, it is fun. It's more fun than doing the redraft every year, I guess for me right now until I have a crap team and I've got to try to build <laughs> out of a five year slump. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. But at least then you have the top draft pick and you know you're getting one of the best incoming rookies. So sure, that helps very true. too. Is that all your Debbie questions? Uh, yeah. The other one was where did you find this janky website? But we covered that. <laughs> all right. I'm, my fantasy league is probably not sponsoring this podcast anytime soon. <laughs> oh, I didn't name them. You did. <laughs> Oh, man. So, overall, happy with how your team turned out? I am right now, but I think everybody's always happy in June about their fantasy team. So, <laughs> right yeah. now I'm happy. Uh, you played Brent the first week, so I, you've already begun the trash talk with uh, your voicemail. Oh, yeah. I've got one win already. Yeah. <laughs> and your comments at the top of this episode certainly aren't doing you any favors either. <laughs> I should ask you, how do you feel about your Dynasty League? The, the one we're in the Scranton Superflex. If I make the playoffs this year, I would be pleasantly surprised because I've talked about this before, but I have Joe Bur- or I have uh, Tua Tagovailoa and I have um, J.K. Dobbins, who I don't expect to probably start most of the year for Tua. Maybe there's talk that he will start week one, but if he does, that would surprise me some. And then with Dobbins, he's probably in a timeshare with Mark Ingram for most of this year unless something happens to one of them. Uh, so, But I think like next year he'd probably be in really good shape to be the lead back on that offense. And I went pretty – I skewed pretty young on my team. So I think I think if I'm competitive this year, that would be nice. And I, I think I'll be decent, but I don't know if I'll be above 500. We'll see. High hopes coming from you. <laughs> yeah, I hope to be 500 this year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I took a more of a 2021 view certainly in the draft. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. We'll see. I think like I think there's a lot of potential depending on what happens this year. We'll see. So just to go real briefly, the quarterbacks are Kyler Murray and Tua, and then Big Ben and Tyrod Taylor, so at least we'll be able to field two starting quarterbacks every week, hopefully. (laughs) Something not every person in this league might be able to say. (laughs) And then for running backs, I got Mixon, Dobbins, and Darius Geis, and if Darius Geis can stay healthy, that would be a pretty big deal if he starts and gets a lot of carries in that backfield. And then starters at receiver are probably DJ Moore, DJ Shark, and then Nikhil Harry, or oh, I have a uh, Jarvis Landry as well. I forgot about him. Stole that one from you in the draft. You were not happy about that. And then a tight end, I've got Dallas Goddard and Dawson Knox and Jared Cook. So it's not like it's it would be crazy for me to be competitive this year. I don't think, but I think there are a lot of those players who are still pretty in their early twenties and who are maybe not all going to fire this year. We'll see. So our fantasy lifeline today is going out to Jerry Jones on Twitter, 
And Jay Reese asked an interesting question. He said, which one of these once popping fantasy football running back studs is, at least, is least likely to bust this coming season? And your choices are Todd Gurley, David Johnson, or Le'Veon Bell. Now, I would be shocked if we both don't have the same answer for most likely to bust. You know who I would pick? David Johnson. David Johnson, by far, I think, is the most likely to bust. What do you think? Yeah, I would probably agree with that just because of what happened last year. He seemed to go off a cliff and had every opportunity to be very productive as both pass catcher and runner in that Arizona offense, which we all thought was going to be great with the volume and uh, the potential there for him to take advantage of a lot of scoring opportunities and just never materialized for whatever reason. I don't know if it was injury. I don't know if there was if it was age or if there was something else going on, but he was disastrous last season. And unfortunately I had him in a redraft league and it might've even been our league. I don't remember, but it was ugly. I, I don't know what happened either. They got the Drake, uh, Kenyon Drake came in in the eighth week, I think when Johnson did have an injury then, but he never got back into the rotation after that. Um, he was seventh in PPR through the first eight games last year, which kind of surprised me. I thought it was a lot worse than that through the whole year. Um, but after that, it was nothing. He was he finished 37th in PPR last year, um, played 13 games overall. So I think by far he'd be the most likely to bust. Um, Hyde at the Texans last year did end up with over 1,000 yards, I guess, if you're making your case for David Johnson. He had 245 carries. He had 1,000 yards, and that was with Duke Johnson still there. Um, so he got the touches and got the yards. So I guess that's the best case you can make for Johnson, but I I wouldn't pick him. I wouldn't stay anywhere near him. So now, the thing that shocked me, though, with these three guys is their ages. I They are all way younger than I thought they were. <laughs> Todd Gurley is only 25, uh, Bell's 28, and Johnson's also 28. And it just seems like they've been around – forever and <laughs> and all three of them I think of that they're too getting too old and that I am worried about their age and then I looked up their ages and <laughs> I'm older than all three of them so <laughs> <laughs> you are pretty old though yeah yeah so that leaves us with uh Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell which one is least likely to post and is this for this year or for like a dynasty situation for this season for this season, I would take Gurley. I think he's the least likely to bust and actually be productive. Um, he didn't have the stats you'd want last year, but I was actually surprised with he was 14th in PPR last year, and he only played 15 games. He missed one. So that was better than I remembered. Um, Freeman with the Falcons last year was 20th in PPR, and he played 13 games there. There's really nobody challenging him on the depth chart, so even if he doesn't start hot, I don't think anybody's going to be taking rushes away from him. Edo Smith only has 112 rushing attempts through two years. Brian Hill has 109 rushing attempts through three years, um, all at the Falcons. So I think Gurley's going to get the touches no matter what. He has arthritis problems, but he is only 25. So he should have some wear and tear left to get through at least this year and be productive again. So I would say he's the best candidate out of these three for who I'd want on my team. How about you? Uh, I think it's really close between him and Le'Veon Bell. A lot of the things you said about clearly also apply to Le'Veon Bell as far as lack yeah. of competition in the backfield. He's got Frank Gore, LaMichael P. Ryan, who a lot of people are optimistic and nice to lose about as a rookie, but may not have a significant impact this year. And then Josh Adams, not a lot of competition there. You look at his last Isn't season. Dixon also at the Jets? Not according to ESPN's depth chart. They only list four, so maybe he's on there and he's not listed in the top four. But, that was a guy I stuck with way too long at the <laughs> with the Ravens. Yeah. I always thought he was going to explode. Never worked out. Yeah. So you look at Le'Veon Bell last year. He did have to play a significant chunk of the season without Sam Darnold, and he dominated the touches out of that backfield. He was number four in the NFL in snap share, number seven in opportunity share. Uh, got a good number of carries, two hundred forty-six, and was number seven in targets. 27 red zone touches was number 27 in the league. Maybe that goes up with Sam Darnold this year if that offense can be a little better, take a step forward. He only had 789 yards, not great. Did contribute 461 yards. And I think that's one of the things that you get with Le'Veon Bell that you may not with Gurley is just 
that level of receiving out of the backfield. 66 receptions, four touchdowns. Uh, really helps this floor. He had 14 fantasy points per game, good for number 18 overall last year. One of the things I think you have to consider, though, when you look at these is we're saying which one's least likely to bust. You do have Todd Gurley going number 30 overall in ADP, according to ESPN. Uh, and so that'd be running back 14 versus Le'Veon Bell is at 39, running back 19. So when you're looking at the cost for these guys, that's probably what I would think of when I think of bust is what they produce compared to what they cost you. There is a little wiggle room in there for Bell as well. If he, if they both performed at the same level, he would be less of a bust than Todd Gurley. So, I think what's it's Johnson at for? Two, but I'd probably lean Bell. What's Johnson at for ADP? Yeah, he's at thirty-eight point five, running back eighteen, so just ahead of Le'Veon Bell. Thanks. <laughs> you seem more optimistic about Johnson than I am. I think he had every opportunity last year and fell off, and they couldn't wait to get rid of him. I don't see anything happening with him. I wouldn't make the case, but I think if you were going to, the argument would be what you referred to as far as his early season production last year. Uh, And the other thing would be with what Bill (laughs) O'Brien paid to get him, he's probably going to get a ton of carries and a ton of receptions and opportunity (laughs) in that offense. So, yeah, like you alluded to it, he started off the season really good those first six weeks and then just went off the cliff. And so – Maybe he recaptures some of that early season success in Houston. He's That offense did lose DeAndre Hopkins, but you do have Deshaun Watson there, and I think as long as he's there, regardless of all of their other issues, he'll cover up a lot of those and make it at least a decent offense, if not one of the best. So I, I wouldn't make the case for David Johnson, but I can see – maybe why his ADP is where it is, but at their price, basically being able to give me Levy on Bell all day. Yeah, I agree. All right. Thanks for that question, Jay Reese. We appreciate it. <laughs> Party time in the club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So we have a few birthdays to celebrate this week. Some interesting ones. So first it's Cooper Cup. Turns 27 on June 15th, so happy birthday to Cooper. Trevin, what do you think of Cooper Cup for both redraft and dynasty this year? Um, I don't know. He doesn't give me a lot of excitement either way. Um, I would be happy with him on my team, but I wouldn't be scrambling to get him if he's not on my team, I guess. Yeah, I, he's – It'll be interesting to see this year because that offense did lose Brandon Cooks, and if he and Robert Woods are able to suck up any of those targets that previously went to Cooks, that could be an opportunity for him to take a step forward. Uh, Cooper Cup had 17 fantasy points a game last year, which was good for number seven overall, probably better than a lot of people would expect. Uh, he did uh, end the season with, let's see, 1,100, almost 1,200 yards uh, in so which was 11th overall yeah as long as that offense is passing the ball like they have been which I don't see that stopping anytime soon he's going to have some numbers if he can stay healthy and last year I believe was his first year back from that ACL tear and I honestly kind of expected it to be a little bit of a down year for him just because typically that first year after ACL they're not operating at 100% as they work to regain confidence and uh, flexibility and all that in that knee that they're recovering. So he didn't seem to experience any sort of struggles related to that last year. And I think that certainly this year being year two after that injury, he's in a great position to be a really good producer. Uh, We'll see if he can repeat last year or even improve on it. Again, as I just mentioned, he's only going to be 27. So he's near the apex of his career from an athletic ability and likely a productivity standpoint. Levi, I got to put my hand up and say I was incorrect about Cooper Cup. He did better last year than I was remembering, and uh, <laughs> I'd have I'd love him to be on my team. So happy birthday, <laughs> Cooper Cup! Oh, you get a chance to redeem yourself here with a player you know a little more about as a Raiders fan. Amari uh, <laughs> Cooper turns twenty six on the seventeenth. How do you feel about Amari this year? I absolutely love Amari Cooper. At any time, <laughs> I miss you, Amari Cooper. Um, he is a roller coaster as far as it was always like that on his Raiders career. It's been like that on his Cowboys too. Um, he'll have a game, two or three games where he'll have 230 yards, a couple touchdowns and just be nuts. And then he'll have eight, nine games where he's just two receptions, 24 yards type games. So 
<clears throat> he's very up and down, but man, when he's hot, he's hot and I miss him <laughs> every day. <clears throat> His numbers are eerily similar to Cooper Cups last year. He had 1,189 yards, uh, eight total touch, touchdowns, and was a receiver number 14 in PPR, 15 fantasy points a game. So it'll be interesting to see this year with the addition of C.D. Lamb and Dallas and if Michael Gallup continues to develop how they split up those targets. But I think we all expect Mario Cooper to be the wide receiver there, wide receiver one in that offense. Uh, here's a little side question for you. Who would you rather have, um, Gallup or Cooper, for their ADP spots? Do you happen to have that ADP data for us? No, I was hoping you would already have that up when you are talking <laughs> about ADP earlier. Let me see if I can pull that up quickly. Uh, while I do that, do you want to talk about Jamison Crowder? Is it also he, his birthday? <laughs> he turns 27 on June 17th, so he's sure Happy birthday, birthday with the Jamison Crowder, who just turned 27. Jamison Crowder just got traded to the Panthers? Crap. <laughs> I'm really blowing this one. <laughs> no. Crowder is still on the Jets. Ugh. No, who is the other guy that went from the Jets to the Panthers? Robbie Anderson went from the Robbie. Jets to the Panthers. Well, I blew that one. <laughs> So your question about ADP was whether I'd rather have Amari Cooper, who's going 32.8, number 30 overall player, or who was the other? Gallup, his teammate. Oh, Michael Gallup. So Gallup. For some reason, this is one I think about a lot, um, probably because of Cooper's Raiders past. Gallup's going number 80 overall uh, with an ADP of 87. So... Probably Gallup, just because when in doubt, I would lean towards the cheaper player. When you look at their stats last year, they really weren't that different. Gallup had over 1,100 yards and six touchdowns and was the number 17 uh, fantasy receiver with just over 15 points a game, only 0.2 points per game less than Amari Cooper. So I think Gallup's really kind of being slept on, especially now that they've added C.D. Lamb. I'd agree. And, and of course, Cooper probably gets the – um, more attention being the first guy, first receiver on the depth chart, um, which probably helps Gallup out. But just going by the fantasy numbers, I'd much rather have Gallup, I think, for his draft position. Yeah. <clears throat> so real briefly, uh, <laughs> Jamison Crowder, Trevin's favorite receiver on the Panthers. <laughs> he, he played pretty well last year. He had – 834 yards, uh, six touchdowns on that offense. And, again, this was kind of great on a curve because Sam Darnold was was uh, out for a significant portion of the year last year and ended up as a wide receiver 36 in fantasy. So I think with especially the addition of Denzel Mims to open up a little bit on the outside of the field, uh, that should open up a lot for Crowder in the middle with when he's operating out of the slot. We'll see. It'll be an interesting year for Crowder. Crowder, who uh, went to Duke, he's 5'9", 177 pounds. I'm his biggest fan. know everything <laughs> about the guy. <laughs> old Jameson. I hear you talk about him all the time. Yeah. All right. On that note, I think it's time to sign off. Trevin's uh, getting a little delirious over there. Uh, so <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate you participating as a special hey, guest. Hey, 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 hey. Right before you uh, sign off here, just wanted to tell you it's really cool what you're doing here, and I appreciate you letting me be a part of it. So go ahead. Just had to get that in before you sign off, and go ahead. Yeah, so Trevin's contributed the voicemail we heard last week <laughs> where, quote-unquote, Brent was asking for help, and he's got <laughs> the commercial this week, and he's got several more special things in the works. So we appreciate all his contributions to making this show better for you all. Uh I wouldn't trust his fantasy analysis as far as I can throw him. (laughs) But he makes for entertaining radio. So we thought it'd be fun to have him on. Talk a little bit about his experience in his first Dynasty draft because I think that as Dynasty is primary topic on this show and it's something that a lot of people who've played redraft for a long time are starting to get into and it's growing a lot. And so I'm excited to have you join our Dynasty League. It's your first league and it was interesting to hear how that experience was for you, and I'm glad you were able to do it. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, thanks for letting me be a part of it. 
All right. If well, any of my uh, future commercials you hear cross any lines, then go ahead and blame Levi. Yeah, I'll take all the blame. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, everybody, we'd appreciate it if you get the chance, if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show. Uh, we'll have a new episode for you next week. Until then, thanks for being part of the Fantasy Players Club. On behalf of Trevin Camosta, this is Levi Valentine signing off. Join me at the end. I thought he was going to interrupt. (laughs) He was eyeing me down like he's going to come jump on me. That's why I was making the eyes at the living room for a little bit. Hey, buddy. What's Uncle Levi doing there? Do you want to come talk to Dad? (laughs) So give me a treat. So then I thought he was going to jump on me and just laid on the floor. I think he knows more about Jameson Crowder than you. (laughs) Man, I really blew it with Jameson Crowder. You had the birthdays on the list, and I wasn't, I didn't prepare. I didn't cross my mind that that means you're going to talk about them. I thought you were just going to say happy birthday. Do you even listen to the show? I mean, come on. (laughs) I listened to the show. I forgot you did that. I thought it was just because I remembered the music you play. I thought it was just party time. (laughs) Yep. Fireworks. Club party. Yeah, you ruined Jameson's birthday. I hope you're happy. (laughs) Sorry, Jameson. Twenty seventh birthday. It's bad enough he can't do anything with COVID. Now he's got Trevin just yeah. thinking he's in Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jameson. <laughs>